Good evening, y'all. Welcome to the show. This is Roy Stone and Child with another episode of the Homeless at Large. Um, I'm here today in the studio uh, in my house. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about a couple things, you know. Um, in Tucson, it's starting to get cold, so um, it's going to be that time of year. We're going to need a lot of blankets, uh, a lot of sleeping bags out there for people who don't have none. Um, you know, and that's all around the country, really. It's getting colder and I don't see that letting up any people are getting, uh, the, the economy's getting rough and um, there's going to be more and more homeless people. So those who can give, do, please. Um, there's a lot of people out there probably without blankets and God only knows they probably need them. And uh, today I kind of have maybe kind of a special guest in the house if he wants to be. Um, his name's Anthony Potter. He's a former activist or an activist in homelessness. He was uh, part of Safe Park. He was part of um, uh, CCA. He did Homeless News Now, and I was on his show. So uh, I want to welcome you to the show, Anthony Potter. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. So um, what's the homeless population out there? Is it increasing still? Um, it, this is what they're not going to tell you, is they don't have the manpower or the labor to actually figure out a number on that. Yeah. And they're not going to spend the resources to figure it out either. Well, it's not like they would ever be able to anyway. I mean, most of the homeless people hide from them. Well, yeah, there's uh, the easiest way to hide is to be public. Right. So, Anthony, what do you think about um, all these um, little ordinances that they're passing um, to stop people from beating and stop people from eating with the homeless? Well, it shows that the government hates the poor. It shows that there's people out there that hate you just because of how much money you make. Or not. Or not? Well, there's both people out there. Well, yeah, I mean, you got to figure but there's some vets out there, too. You don't have a homeless ordinance out there if you don't have people trying to make money off of their being, uh, what do they call that? Class warfare. Yeah, it's... it's, it, it's... If you study communism... Communism talks about class warfare, the difference between the rich and the poor. And there's people that will, will play class warfare and try to make a buck off of, of making people be arrested for having owning too much property for people being too public, and where's the privacy in being homeless? There is none unless you can stay hidden, and they don't allow that for sure. Well, should we be telling the poor to be unseen and unheard like we do our children? Good point there, Anthony. What up? The thing about it is, you know, they, at one time the poor was a very quiet community. If you'll remember, right? Before uh, the safe part came along, especially here in Tucson, 
The uh, homeless was a quiet community. Yeah? Yeah. And, and then Fig Park came along and all went to hell. And after they shut down Safe Park, they shut down all the other camps, and that's been the policy Ever of seen. everyone but Ward 5. Well, you know, and that's the thing. Uh, I've grown quite close with most of city council, um, some of them at least. And, and, and you know, it's, 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 a, it's been a battle because every time I, I, I start making progress, you know, there's always some other asshole comes up claiming to be an expert on something he knows nothing about. But, Anthony, what do you, what do you get when you get, I mean, what do you come across as, as how long have you been homeless, per se, by yourself? Um, I've been homeless off and on for about a decade. A decade, so 10 years? And Anthony, have you ever, um, would you say, how long have you known me to be homeless? I've known you for about a decade. Pretty much homeless all the time, right? Yeah. And um, so I've been out there for 28 years, Anthony, and um, how did you become homeless? What, what, what were the circumstances behind it? Um, I was on Section 8. It was... I mean, before that, like, that you were from the beginning... Um, from the beginning, yeah, I was working at Sears during the housing crunch, and and my job ended up being sent overseas. Oh, so you lost your job when the uh, housing crunch happened, and your job right because you remember they were uh, putting people in mortgages they shouldn't have been put in and they were sending jobs overseas. Okay. And and so when you became homeless, what was your um did you ever what, what was your what was it like when you first became homeless? Did you were you kind of nervous or how did you feel about it? Um there was a uneasy because you're still getting over all the trauma you had to deal with, with losing all the memories and all the material oh, things that you purchased and you had come across all the gifts you had got and the important paperwork you got and everything else that goes along with uh, those memories just being not in the picture anymore and you're trying to you know keep your communication uh paying your phone bill and you're trying to keep your mail and you're trying to uh, check your email and there's there's just these little policies uh, along the way that make it much more harder yeah so as a, would you say that when you first came out to the streets, you were kind of nervous, but did, did you find, quickly find somebody to help you find resources? What was that like? Um, I noticed that, this, that the outreach workers that they sent by weren't really comfortable with that population. Right. So, so did you find somebody to help you find resources, though? Well... You know, you they give they give these papers away that tell you where the feeds are and where 
the clothing banks are and so forth. Yeah, a lot of them were inaccurate too. And either they tell you the name and they don't tell you a way to contact them or they give you a map and they don't list everything properly. And then it's inaccurate as well because some of them are closed or are gone or just not there or whatever. And then um, the government's and it's on you at all times. And so Anthony, when you were, say, housed and working and all that, did you ever think you'd find yourself out on the streets? Um, like once I became housed? I mean, before, when you were working at Sears and you were younger, maybe going to school or whatever, did you ever think you would, did you ever see yourself on the streets? No. No. I saw yeah. myself moving up with the company, and I saw myself, you know, uh, working in the uh, United States of America uh, until my time of retirement. Okay. So, with that being said, when you became homeless, and you know that sudden shock finally. Uh, kind of started to taper down and you started realizing, you know, um, for me, it was like, for the first like week, it was kind of, it was draw back and relax and kind of sit back and nervous and didn't want to talk to nobody and um, just shock. I mean, there was a lot of trauma involved in my homelessness, but when you became homeless, what would you say was different? Did you, when you worked at Sears, I know that you probably had your own friends and all that stuff. What became different as you became homeless? Um, the way people still looked at your appearance as it didn't go by. You're telling people that you're getting, that you're coming across the, coming to a crisis and you're trying to avoid it and people avoid you because they don't want to come in touch with calamity. They, they, they don't know what's really going on, so they feel unsafe. If there's a lot of um, um, biases that... Uh, people change the way they treat you. Right, more. and then the police they see you going down the street. You appear not to be dressed successfully. You're not really working. You're not really with other people. Also, the police start hounding down on you, especially if you try to hold up a sign or you go and try to uh, busk or you try to spange. How many friends, as, as you became homeless and they started realizing you were homeless, how many friends actually stopped talking to you because of this, 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 this spell of homelessness? Um, how many friends still talk to you from when you were working at Sears and out of the house, whatever, till now? How many of them are talking to you and how many of them aren't? Did you lose quite a few? I lost a, quite a few. One of the reasons was I ended up losing a computer and I lost a phone. And 
if you lose a phone, you're losing all your contacts and you're losing your social media and you're, uh, they say losing your phone, the contacts in your phone could be worth a million dollars in the bank. Oh yeah. So, I mean, in, okay, so if you knew where they lived, you know, and all that, would you, how many of those friends where you would go to their house daily, or speak to them daily, and they would come over to you and visit and whatever, how many kinds of friends like that did you lose, as in? Um, I would say I had about five. And, and did they, are they still talking to you now, to Jonas? Um, I'm not sure where to find them. Hmm. Do you have any family, Miss Potter? I do. You do, and then do you speak to any of your family? Or they, did they change the way they talked to you once you became homeless? I mean, is it, do they treat you differently, or do they still look at you the same, or do you have contact with them, or what's the deal with your family? Um, my family knows my situation, and it doesn't make them comfortable. Okay, have they offered to help you at all, or just kind of leave you there? Just as a wonder, more or less. Um, I would say it depends on the family member. Right. There's family members that want to help more because of it. There's other ones that want nothing to do with it and figure if you're homeless, there's something wrong with you. Yeah. So let me ask you some. How did you become involved with being an activist? How did you um, start being an activist? And you know, I saw you with Safe Park. How did you get involved? What made you get involved with? Um, just the way that people that were homeless were being treated. There had to be someone or a group of people that came together to make a, the lives of the homeless um, less of a hardship. Right. So, you know, I got, you know, I got some hard feelings about the guy that did the safe park thing. You know how I feel about him and, and what he did. Um, describe to me something, describe to me what your view of the whole thing was as far as um, who was who? Um, John's job was to be the face of the organization and that means being on camera and uh, emailing people and so forth. Uh, that wanted to get involved. Um, my job was to run the day-to-day -day operations at the protest and the other John, his job was to um, reconcile any legal issues that came up due to the protest. What was the original idea behind the protest is in why did he start the protest? 
it, he started it. Well, it was he. I started it because I saw what was happening and a difference that needed to be made, and someone having to get in the middle. Right. And um, his thing was is is making a place where he can just uh, just live knowing that on any given day you could become homeless mm -hmm. and and it not being as bad as one uh, as, as you once knew it so he had been homeless before so he decided he wanted to make it less of a hardship this time around and for whoever came next now you know, you've known me for what seven eight years ten years somewhere around there yeah and um, you see me in a bunch of places and different doing different things. And how long have you known me to be helping other people on the streets? Um, I've seen you helping out. I think I first met you over at Southside Presbyterian or the Shower Church. Doing the clothing room, yeah. You were, yeah. I was a clothing room person. I love that job. And then um, I met you um, at CCA or Central City Assembly Church. What was I doing there? Um, you were through, serving right? dinner. When was that? Around 2003, 2004? Yeah. Wow, it's hard to believe almost two decades of serving the homeless in Southern Arizona. You know, it goes by so quick. So now, Anthony, you said that John wanted to alleviate some of the um, hardships that comes with homelessness. What do you mean by hardships? Um, going without food, going without medicine, going without oh, oh, a place to rest, a place to do hygiene. And then would you say he was successful, or what is it worse now? Um, these days he's not into any of that anymore. Now I'm into as it is in his original venture and protest. Would you say he was successful in doing what he needed to do or wanted to do, or do you think it's worse now than it was then? I think he could have done better. Yeah, and so as, as time went on, Anthony. You know, I mean, as a person, how would you describe my demeanor as far as it all went? I mean, what was my, where was I, where did I stand on it? I mean, if you, day to day, when they asked me to be involved, what was the stance I took? Because it's just, it's kind of a, it's a, it's a I'm putting together a story. And so I want people to understand, people think that, um, 
somehow or another I might have been asking for help. And I don't think I was. As far as I know, am I right that I, I always told people I want to be left alone? Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Help me or leave me alone. Right. I, you know, and, and so, you know, I, 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 I've been through a lot. and We all know what I've been through. You know what I've been through. So, Anthony, have you experienced the same kind of experience I did with people when you became homeless? I mean, as far as getting help? I mean, you know, you know I've been trying to get housing for, about six, 12 years now? I would say there's more people making money off of the crisis than there ever has before. Yeah. And, you know, that's the thing about it. What do you think of people who work in what's called a charity job, getting paid? I mean, don't you, I, I was raised that charity was supposed to be free. When you do charity work, it's volunteer, period. What do you think of people getting paid? Do you think it's, um, what do you think? I think if people can be paid for their efforts, um, more power to them and it makes everything work efficiently. If people have the ability to uh, work without the need for compensation, I think that's, uh, uh, that's a big statement as well. Mr. Patterson, we film. If you were to say the one thing that's most needed on the streets, what would that be? The one thing most needed? Um, a way out. A way out. Kind of some kind of hope. Would you say it's kind of hopeless out there? It is because they make you do these things like HMIS and um, what's the other thing? SPDAT. The SPDAT that are risk assessment tests that operate a lottery system. And this is where they're, they're just because you do the test doesn't mean you get it. Just because you score a certain way doesn't mean you get it. Well, people might turn you down just because they don't like you. So they don't, they make you take this spot, but it doesn't necessarily mean you're going to get help just because, which is the way it's supposed to be. You take this spot, and if you qualify, they're supposed to put you as you qualified, correct? I mean, that's the way it was supposed to work, yeah? But then if the person you do this spot with doesn't like you, you can qualify for help. But that doesn't mean they're going to help you get it. Yeah? So, how many times, how long did it take you to initially get your Section 8? Initially, it took about nine months. And how long were you on the streets at that time? Um, two years. How many people, how many other people got housed with you when you got your Section 8? I mean, were they from John McLean's camp or what? Um, most of the people were. Some were people that Michelle, oh, there's a lady named Michelle Reen. 
Yeah. She runs her own organization, um, Tucson Supported Shelters, and and she was used to be a social worker for Primavera when she did. Her job was to do outreach, so she would be out in the washes searching for people and out um, trying to help people when they would be doing evictions, when they would be evicting people through those camps. So I want to get into something here that um, really kind of shocked me in a way, would it? Have you um, noticed anybody being arrested for using the bathroom in public while public restrooms are closed? I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. Haven't seen it. So they won't do it in front of you either, huh? Have you noticed that the police kind of um, try to avoid people like me more than they try to interact? They do. If you think for yourself and you don't... Um, ask permission they usually uh, turn a baton to you yeah they turn that blind eye to you have you had that happen to you um, i mean it's like if i ever called the police hey i'd hate to think that if somebody was breaking in here or whatever uh with a gun and you know i've had cops call. tell me that if i uh, they hear my name over the radio they're not coming is that a fact and so, do you, do you know a lot of homeless people that suffer that kind of discrimination from the police? Um, I have. I mean, would you say it's pretty frequent, more than not? Yes. You know, it's kind of funny that way because I've, I've had that and a lot happen. And that's the thing, part of being homeless is you're being attacked from so many different organizations and avenues, and all you're trying to do is is find a scent, or find something to eat, and find a place to sleep. And just live your life. Right. Peacefully and try to be. You know, one of the biggest things for me was I wanted to be left alone, but I wanted to blend in, sort of. I would just kind of try to blend in with the other people. I didn't, I didn't necessarily fit in, and it was hard to blend in sometimes because I was pretty dirty, but I always tried to just be not noticed. I was quiet, uh, you know. I only spoke out when I had to, and as things went on, it got worse with people pushing us around and everything. Have you ever experienced what it was like, um, how, how it is to go from where, you, I mean, the way people treat you. Have you ever been kicked out of a grocery store, say, just because you're homeless. I haven't. You haven't. Have you ever noticed how many people... I've been watched in a grocery store because followed. I was homeless. Followed. Followed. Yeah. Not arrested, but definitely watched and followed. Have you noticed this new crowd of homeless people that the way they act is more detrimental to our cause? I don't want to make any blanket statements. There's definitely, within the homeless population, 
there's your person that's just trying to find work and get on with their life. There's people that have addictions. There's people that are special, all special need in some other way, physically, mentally. Um, there's a certain trauma that you get just from being homeless or becoming homeless. So if you were to say one way to most definitely uh, end the struggles behind homelessness or houselessness, what would that be? I would say one of the things that would help is if there's anybody who's has the ability to be a property owner or a landlord um, getting involved with Section 8 so that we have more spaces that we can place people that need the help. I would say there's room for more than just a discussion on tiny homes. Okay. I think, uh, I think we could use one or two more shelters in the Tucson area to help the aging population. As in aging population, what do you mean by and that? And I would say we need more jobs for people that can't pass background checks and we need more jobs. Just because you're disabled doesn't mean you should be impoverished your whole life. Right, yeah. I agree. And have you ever noticed, like, um, when you're homeless, it's a lot harder? People won't hire you. I yeah. Mean, they'll, they'll, they'll come out and tell you to get a job, but they won't people hire you. People who tell you to get a job are never the people who actually hire people. Or they're just, or they can, they just don't. They don't. I'd actually like to see a university or some kind of wealthy organization, a political organization or a hospital or something, do a study on that. Yeah, I mean, have you, have you noticed the hypocrisy of people, the way they act and, and treat the homeless? One minute they're telling them to get a job, but the next minute they're telling them they can't hire them. Or, no, i sorry, you don't qualify for a job here. You don't have qualified because you don't have uh, reliable transportation and they don't consider the bus reliable transportation. Right. They say you're not clean enough and they're wanting you to dig a ditch. Isn't that funny? You're not clean enough to dig a ditch. At 43 years old, I've got a GED. And I wasn't qualified to ask people if they want fries with a hamburger at McDonald's. And I stayed right near there. But they won 15 an hour. Right. And these people can't even have the time to get your order right. I've noticed you go to McDonald's, some people are standing in line for Jesus. I mean, and this is a fast food restaurant, mind you. But they're standing in line for 10 minutes waiting to get food. And, you know, it's kind of funny how they won't hire a homeless man. They'll wait for somebody to come along and they're homeless. I mean, if they had one person apply 
And it was a homeless person. Do you think they would hire him? No, I don't. What kind of um, activist events are you planning in the future? Are you got anything coming? I know you used to be involved with a lot of events and everything. Are you are you are you getting into planning anything or? Um, not really. I'm just um, um, looking for stuff to be involved with. Have you heard of the Help Us or Leave Us Alone movement? I have. Quite a movement, isn't it? Yeah. A lot of people saying it. A lot of people putting it up. Want to be involved? Yeah. So. You know I'm the curator of that movement, right? Yeah. You know, I made it. It's my hashtag. I put it out there. I've been putting it out there. And the reason, you know, understand the reason why, right? Because I was tired of people coming out there, these social workers, whatever the fuck they call them. And then, you know, I'm not going to say part of my French. I'm, I'm a very blunt person. I'm, and I'm unfiltered. You know that. Everybody knows that about me. They know me. But I was sick of these people that come out they supposedly do this outreach, and they'd say, oh, we're here to help, we want to help. And you know, within days, the police show up to run everybody out. No matter what your camp looks like, they would run you out. Time to leave. Get up, get out, get your stuff and get out. And then they'd take all your shit, they destroy it. And so, I got tired of that, man, after so long, you know? And so, uh, my thing is to, not end homelessness or houselessness. I want to end the discrimination of the houseless people, of the houseless community. To me, their life is hard enough as people. It's one of the hardest lives you could ever live as a person. It's one of the most hardest it's one of the hardest and most um, physically destructive lives you could live as a person. Would you agree? Yeah. And so, to me, I don't want to necessarily end houselessness. Because as you know, there's a lot of vets still out there. And there are some good people out there that just don't want to be part of society. Um, so, I don't want to end the houselessness. I want to end the discrimination of houselessness yeah yeah I would say that has to do with people being open-minded and yeah. just people being open and I think the discrimination themselves in someone else's shoes I think the discrimination started with the media um, homeless problem now I know did for a long time a lot of people and I you know as well as I do, I called that out a lot of times about that thing, homeless problem, and how I felt about it. And I was always told it was just semantics, which it's not. Because if you look at what it's done, as far as the way society now treats the homeless, I used to sleep on city hall steps. Literally. They used to bring us coffee out every morning. Before Guadalupe's. And, um... Since then, because of this homeless problem, you know, I've noticed a big change in society as far as the way people look at you, the way they talk to you. Um, it's kind of a two-faced thing. Do you agree? I do. I think that 
where there is no homeless problem. I believe homeless are part, uh, homeless are a symptom of the economy. Some of them are symptoms of abuse, some of them are symptoms of war, some of them are symptoms of just not caring. There's all kinds of reasons people are out there, but the fact is, if they really, if it's, to me, I looked up the definition of liberty. Do you know what the liberty defined in the Constitution is? Mm. Do you know what it means? Not liberty. the dictionary. I mean, it's in the version that in, the, in the, the Constitution of the United States. It says we have a right, a God-given, unalienable rights to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, right? So as defined there, liberty is lifestyle of choice. Your ability to be free. Lifestyle of choice, free of persecution from government officials. That's exactly as it's defined in the, in, in the Constitution, or the preamble. Lifestyle of choice. That means if you want to be a working man, you have that right. You can be a working man, right? Yes. That's a lifestyle. Working hard, mom, dad, family. If you want to be uh, a carnival worker, same thing. It's a lifestyle. Anything that's a lifestyle, any lifestyle you can think, whether whatever it is, you have that choice. As long as it's your choice, there's no, there can be no persecution from government officials. So let me ask you this. Would you say government officials are persecuting the homeless? I would say they're not the only ones. Would you say they're violating their, knowing now what you know, would you say it's a violation of their rights? Yes. That the police out there push them around and, okay. What, what would, how would you suggest that maybe we should go about stopping this, the way they're treating them? Because to me, there are people out there that are suffering. They're already down on, some of them are down on their luck. A lot of them have whatever issues up here and, 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 and in their traumas and... Doesn't it seem like they're being bullies? As the police and the way society's treated. Wouldn't you say they're kind of like bullies? Out there pushing around yes. people? Yes. I mean, literally. They're just pushing them around just because they can. Nobody does anything about it. How do you think we should uh, address that? I think if that's anybody in government that's doing that and having that policy is committing tyranny on uh, their people. And we have the right to live to be free from tyranny. That's part of the reason why our founding fathers fought against the English was their uh, ability to be taxed uh, with representation and, and to be of that sort. So, this year, sometime in the next couple months, I intend to hold a march from Santa Rita Park. I'm going to have some signs made, and they're going to simply have the hashtag, help us or leave us alone. 
I want to march from San Rita to City Hall from downtown. And um, I want to hold them signs and have people just, as many homeless people as I can, chanting, help us or leave us alone. Help us or leave us alone. Because if you have a hundred people saying the same thing in unison, one person doesn't have to yell. Nobody does. It's like a stereo, you know? Um, would you join? Yeah. Would you be interested in joining? Yeah. And if I say, said we were going to stop at City Hall and go out there right along the side of the sidewalk where the public property begins, um, have people pitch a lean to you. And when the police come along, they sit down in their tent and just hold up their sign that says, help us or leave us alone. And not say a word. Don't answer their questions. Would you be willing to uh, help me coordinate that? Yeah. And you'd be willing to leave all your, um, any kind of music. I know maybe you just smoke pot or whatever, but you'd be willing to help keep away the illegal activities and the, the drug, you know, I mean, I know, I, I do my, my addictions, I don't lie. I don't lie to nobody. I, I smoke a little bit of meth here and there, and I don't give a fuck what people think of it. I've been pushed around so goddamn much, I don't care what they think. Because it's all hypocrisy to me, and you know how I feel about that. But, um, would you be willing to help me make sure that people aren't doing that kind of stuff? Yeah. Or maybe help me gather people that won't? Yeah. Alright. Well, Mr. Potter, I want to gather some, um, some cardboard. And I, we need to start making some signs. I need some magic markers and stuff. If you can help me get that stuff, um, it'd be great. Or if we can get some of society, if we can share this post or this uh, podcast. Um, number one thing we need is blankets, sleeping bags, um, socks, winter coats. What else can you think of that we would need to do something like that? Food, non-perishable. What else? I would say hoodies. Jackets, hoodies. Jackets. Um, beanies, gloves, socks. So I've, I've been on this site and it's called Quora and a lot of people ask me um, a question and it, you know, it seems like it's such a menial rhetorical question really that how can you end homelessness? Do you have any ideas how to answer that? To me, well, I say if you're going to end homelessness, first you have to end capitalism. We don't have to end capitalism. It's actually impossible to keep every person from capitalizing on something. But I would say we just need to open the spaces. We need to come collaborate, come to agreements, open up some spaces. We already have, there's already enough space for us, for homelessness not to exist. I mean, if it's their lifestyle choice, when you say people should maybe be more open to accept someone's choices of lifestyle? Well, 
if someone wants to be houseless, then there should be a place for them. There should be a place for them. It goes back to uh, making spaces available because in places like Portland and Seattle and Wisconsin, they actually got they actually ended homelessness just by providing housing and letting people <coughs> oh, oh, run their camps. Well, Mr. Potter, we're going to be talking about this more later. Um, <coughs> something else I wanted to ask you. You met Dr. Chris Olson, correct? Correct. And what did you think of her? I think she's a very intelligent woman. I think she's very open and that she's um, great heart. Yeah, she has a great heart. And you said you were interested in a tiny home, right? Yes. Right. So look, everyone. So Dr. Chris Olson is the um, CEO, founder of um, the Homing Project. And, and she, uh, they're accepting donations as far as monetary donations to, uh, we got a lot of things figured out already. I think we have a piece of land that was being sponsored now. Didn't she mention that? She said that somebody was willing to sponsor a piece of land. Is that what yeah. she said? So, so I want to thank everyone who's been listening to the show and, and who's been listening to my Facebook, watching my videos because. From what I understand, I don't know who, but somebody stepped up with a piece of property and sponsored it uh, for the tiny home project, and that's just freaking awesome. I mean, to have it done this quickly is, is it's unheard of, really. Uh, right now, we're just on the political end of it, you know? But uh, I'm asking that everybody keep donating. I think the less we have to use the federal government, the better. I mean, if we can get society together and and get the things together we need to build this home this this tiny home project and i'm sure anthony here might agree the less we have to use the government the better off we are correct yeah. and the next step now that there's donated property is it's going to have to go through uh, uh licensing through licensing and zoning and so through licensing and zoning is where the government creates a lot of red tape. So we could definitely pray about that and make sure that there doesn't have to be more red tape than there needs to be. So, you know, what was she saying? Wasn't it near Grant or Speedway or somewhere like that? Yeah. Speedway and I-10 or something like that? So look, if there's anybody out there in the community who uh, can help separate the red tape from our process and maybe remove some of it, I don't know, maybe you work with the city or the county or whatever. Look, I want to get this started as quick as possible. I believe that Miss Dr. Chris Olson has a great heart. I believe she, her heart's in the right place. I don't see any ulterior motives in her. And to now, People have been great about supporting the cause. I really appreciate all the help. So what I would like to do is maybe get some people to start calling the city and um, 
maybe influence their decision to rush this through zoning and get it done because look this is an important cause this Let's is humanity and um there's get no done. go ahead i just said get her done yes sir um so if there's anybody out there maybe a community of people who want to start dialing in the phones again to the city and then and, and city uh inspectors or whatever for the zoning look everybody has a part in this you know um the community without the government can take and end the suffering and the discrimination behind homelessness the fact is each and every person out there is a human being and some of them are suffering so uh let's try to end that the discrimination let's end that for sure there's no reason to uh discriminate on somebody because they're poor we are human we are people we have rights who are we anthony we are the homeless at large help us or leave us alone we are everywhere thank you mr potter for being a guest for now this to is all of those out there that are listening and getting involved and camping out in those houses that you have out there so um, for now, y'all, this is Roy Sterling Trout wishing y'all um, a happy Thanksgiving, belated happy Thanksgiving. Um, stay safe, God bless, and let's continue on this war path of helping end the discrimination on the homeless population.